And again, good morning and uh, greetings to all of you. Uh, first, I really want to express my deep gratitude uh, for our young people. Uh, they helped plan, prepare, and present a profoundly meaningful worship experience on New Sunday last week. I hope you had a chance to, to watch it. Uh, but the message that was communicated was done in so many creative ways in the sermon that uh, Sarah and Lauren proclaimed was powerful, especially because their words were grounded in their personal experiences. If you have not watched that service yet, I invite you to go to beargrass.org and try to catch that sometime uh, today or later this week. Uh, now I'd like to turn our attention to today's story that Rob just read for us. Uh, the story deals with one of our basic human emotions or feelings, and that is fear. How many of you have some fear in your life? Uh, how many of you are afraid of something? Uh, as a pastoral care expert, uh, Dr. Lowe knows that it is a very big, small group. Uh, one of my friends uh, sent along a Pearls Before Swine cartoon from this past week that may capture our emotions and feelings well during these uh, quarantine times. But first screen pig says, my daily worries broken down by percentages. 40% worries about things that have happened. 30% worries about things that will happen. 29% worries about things that may happen. 1% not worrying and thereby worrying that I'm letting my guard down. <laughs> Rat says, fun day. And Pig says, I worried you say that. Um, we got a lot of stuff going on right now, don't we? Most of us fear something, and we come up with these very long, creative names for our fears. Uh, one of the most common fears, for instance, is agoraphobia, right? Uh, the word comes from the Greek language. Several years ago, Ellen and I had the privilege of standing atop the Acropolis in Athens near the place where the Apostle Paul, Paul preached, and we saw the remains of the Agora, the, the shopping market area where so many people gathered. And so if you have agoraphobia, <laughs> like millions of people do, you are afraid of large open areas, you're afraid of malls, you're afraid of airports, you're afraid of crowds, <laughs> and some folks have it so badly that they don't want to leave their homes. And so, if you have it, you are loving this pandemic, right? But it's just one of our countless fears and phobias. We all have things about which we worry, and I confess that I intentionally try not to keep up with the news at times because it is simply overwhelming. We turn to God and say, hey, stop, let's go with, you know, uh, the, the world seems to be getting scarier all the time. You never know what horrifying thing will happen next. And sometimes our fears get the best of us or the worst of us. Uh, most of us have pretty good stories to tell. Uh, like some of you, we were not able to take our family vacation this past summer. And so we have taken time as family to try to remember highlights from previous trips and vacations and experiences and one that always comes up and one which I've shared with some of you is about the last tram ride our family ever took. Uh, some years ago we were in the Great Smoky Mountains and I convinced the whole Bond bunch to 
to ride Ober Gatlinburg. Have you been on, on that one? Uh, the trip is advertised as the longest tram ride in the country. Now, I think trams are terrific. I love to be up high and see the great views, uh, but my wife, <laughs> my wife despises the thought of dangling thousands of feet above ground on a narrow cable. Amen? Uh, yes. And yet we all had our tolerance tested on that last tram ride. As we made our way up the mountain, a storm suddenly blew in across the ridge and lightning flashed and thunder rolled and, and wind howled and we were all packed into that tram car like sweaty sardines and we heard the radio crackle out a raspy message to the operator of the tram. <laughs> they were talking about shutting down the tram right there. I mean, that would have meant putting up protective shields around all of the windows and literally hanging out until the storm passed. Fortunately, we kept moving and rocked our way into the dock just moments before a torrential downpour hit. And now my family has a bad case of tramophobia. Uh, serious issues with trauma trauma. Sometimes life is like that, right? You know, things are roll, roll, rolling along very beautifully, smoothly. We're, we're having a good time. And then, boom, right in the midst of that, that calm, a storm rocks our world. It happens to all of us. And unfairly, it seems to happen to some much more than others. And it happens in today's story. In the middle of Matthew 14, the disciples are in serious danger. As we recall the movement of the story, we remember that Jesus needs some time alone to go to the mountain to pray. He sends the disciples out in a boat, and things are fine at first, but then a storm batters the boat, and this is no gentle summer shower. Now remember, several of the disciples are experienced fishermen, and so if they are anxious, this is a serious situation. This is, this is angry water. This is death-dealing, life-threatening, churning chaos. And yet in the midst of that mess, Jesus wades into the water and comes to the rescue. And you would think that the sight of Jesus would be a comfort. But at first, what? They are terrified. They are terrified because they do not recognize Who's coming? They, th they think they're seeing an unholy ghost, if you will. Uh, th then good old Peter tries to make a deal with Jesus as Jesus approaches. You know, hey, hey, Jesus, if it's really you, if it's really you, let me walk on the water too. And, and Peter steps out of the boat and he does. And that's amazing in itself. He starts walking in the water. That's incredible, but Peter takes his eyes off Jesus, sees the waves, and begins to sink like the rock for which he's named. And Peter panics, and Peter pleads, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reaches out his hand and lifts him up and saves him. And they get in the boat, and in the midst of the 
storm, there is calm, and an experience that begins in, in deep fear ends in, in faith. And what begins in worry ends in worship. Whatever our gospel lesson is for today, it is a great story. It's full of suspense and tension and, and power and drama and, you know, some folks flounder around trying to figure out all the uh, figure out all the details now did Jesus really do that did Jesus, did Jesus walk in the water or did, did he just know where the hidden rocks and reefs were in the sea of Galilee I, I don't know <laughs> some of you may recall that uh, some years ago Israel's National Parks Authority approved a project to build a bridge in the Sea of Galilee now notice I did not say over I said, in the sea. It was to be slightly submerged so tourists could walk out onto it and have the illusion in their pictures that they, too, were walking on the water. <laughs> Isn't it sad? Isn't it sad that people want to take this spectacular story and trivialize it by turning it into a water park attraction? At times, our attempts to make the biblical stories more real and literal sucks the very life and power out of the story. You know, critics of the bridge wonder what's next. Fine dining at the all-you-can-eat loaves and fishes deli? How about that? Huh? Or maybe beverages at the water-into-wine bar. That sounds pretty good uh, to me right now. And Anyway, you know, at times it just helps to put our questions aside and savor the story this is an awesome account about the mystery and the majesty of Jesus and the journey takes unexpected twists and turns and and yes there are surprises and and crises and and a wonderful resolution but we get a glimpse we get a glimpse into and deeper insight into Jesus's identity and so this story speaks to us on many different important levels. We know, right now especially, we know all too well about storms in our lives, don't we? Haven't we all experienced times in our lives when, when we seem to be sailing along very smoothly and bam, it hits us. Out of the calm, storms. You know, your boss tells you the company is downsizing or right-sizing or related to this story. The real word should be capsizing and there's storm. Your spouse comes home late after work. Says, you know, we, we need to talk. You're told there's someone new. A divorce is imminent. Storm. Your, your child's behavior is a little different. You, something's changed. You, know, you think about the new friends. Drugs are found. Storm. You haven't talked to your parents, and the, and the last time you did wasn't all that great. You get a phone call from a sibling. One of them has passed away. So there's unresolved grief. 
storm. You haven't been feeling all that good. You know something's a little bit off. You go to the doctor. You go through all the tests. You go back in for a consultation and you hear the word you dreaded to hear. Storm. Sadly, on the 75th anniversary of the explosion of the atomic bomb, another explosion has rocked a city. A, a war blows up, a plane goes down, refugees try to resettle, fires in the west, hurricanes in the east, protests, pandemics, storm, storm, storm. And the waves crash in on our battered boats and we try to stay afloat and in the midst of what seems to be a pretty chaotic world at times. You, you are all too aware of those challenges. We all are. And, and for some, it seems those storms never cease at all. We also know how people respond and react. There are a variety of ways to deal with all of this. Some reach for a bottle. Some reach for drugs. Some withdraw and escape. Some lash out in anger. Uh, some people reach for the remote control as if changing the channel will make it all go away. And, and, and yet this story, this story encourages us. Story encourages us because Jesus speaks words of, of comfort to his fearful disciples and to all of us. He, he says, friends, take heart. It, it is I. It, it's I. Don't, don't be afraid. And I think what beautiful words to fearful hearts. And, and Peter, old Peter, made, made a lot of mistakes along the way, but we all do, you know, right? But, but he eventually gets it right at the end of the story when the going really gets tough. He knows where to go. And he doesn't go it alone. He knows where to reach for salvation. It's good to know that in our, in our moments of distress, Jesus comes. Sometimes he surrounds us with peace and love. Sometimes he is present with us, whether we know it or not. And, and he often works through and in those around us, people we describe as uh, lifesavers in our own lives. John Lewis has been in the news a lot lately since he passed away. He faced endless storms in his life, tireless efforts for civil rights, as you know. Uh, he was beaten, spat upon, he was burned with cigarettes, he endured whip tear gas and whips and tubes wrapped in barbed wire. On Bloody Sunday, he almost died from a billy club beating and someone said John's life was exceptional. But he never believed that what he did was more than anybody else could do. He felt that we all, we all have the capacity for great courage. We all have a longing to do what's right. We all have a, a willingness to try to love all people and, and to extend to them their God-given rights to dignity and respect and because he saw the best in us he will continue to serve as a, a beacon in that long journey towards a more perfect union I was also intrigued by a different point of view from another friend of Lewis he said you know I had a mistaken 
notion that John was not angry enough? Why didn't he demand revenge for the unspeakable racism? How could he accept an apology from Governor Wallace or forgive the pathological Bull Connor? Why would he forge relationships with former clansmen? But his friend said, over the years, my ambivalence melted into reverence as I came to better appreciate the power of John Lewis's grace. It equipped him with undeniable moral authority that allowed him to change minds and hearts and lives. His ability to forgive, along with his bravery and contempt for injustice, were among the sturdiest pillars of his greatness. And all of that, all of that was grounded in a deep, abiding faith. You remember that old hymn, Standing on the Promises That Cannot Fail. Even when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living God we shall prevail. What? Standing on the promises of God. Lewis said something related to today's story that inspires us. Do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful. Be optimistic. Friends, I'm not sure what storms you are facing, but I do know this. When the storms of life are raging, when everything seems to be out of control, when we feel totally hopeless and helpless, whether the ends of our stories are heartbreaking or heroic, in the midst of the storm, Jesus comes. 